Um, hi. 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 Um, I think we should eat other people. Uh, <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how are you? My, oh, damn it. You got me. I got you. Baruch Hashem. I'm well. Let's see. Loving this podcast. Loving life. The other day there was like a little dusting of snow. I really appreciated that. Yep. Yep. We got that too. I've been really excited for it to snow because at a certain point in winter, it's like, if you're going to be this cold, do it in a way that's cute for me. I have been working hard on my new little job, working hard on all my little Talmudic endeavors. I feel good. I feel like I've achieved the right level of busyness for my mental health, which is a very like narrow range of busyness, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, What else is going on in my life? The dishes are just piling up. I don't know what. There's just like too many dishes. I feel like I'm doing dishes every day and there's just never any less dishes. I'll tell you what Grunge Girl and I do. What? We only have two plates. We only have two forks. Uh, uh-huh. It's insane. But like, uh, right. I, I guess you could have like, you know, four when you have guests. I don't know. But who has guests? That's a good idea. We got a lot of hand-me-down stuff from my boyfriend's mom. Even if I were to go buy all new kitchen stuff, I wouldn't have as much stuff as we have right now you know because we got like all her leftover plates and shit what you do you got to take all the plates except for the two ones that you love put them in a cardboard box in the closet that's my right. recommendation it's very effective in keeping the dish level down yeah i bet i'm really wishing i had a dog right now i saw a really cute video today of like a really huge pit bull that was like a foster parent to all kinds of other animals like baby chickens and kittens and other puppies oh uh like i want like a giant dog to be a foster parent to me well i mean there's always like big dumb happy pit bulls that need to be adopted i know but i don't think we can do that in our current situation i think chonk is a little bit too much of a handful to have a dog in this space with him i think mm. we need a bigger apartment or we need like an old chihuahua that just like does nothing so i don't know we'll see one day we'll get a dog it's a shared intention in this relationship but mm -hmm. it's farther away in the future than i want it to be i want a dog now this instant <sighs> i have a dog now this instant and it is great you bitch but overall Life is good, which is not that often true for me, but it's I've been on a good little streak here. So, you know, hope that Evil Eye stays far away. Anyway, enough about me. Now about you. How is you? I'm equally fine. How's your new job? Oh, it's fine. You know, it's... Um, it's whatever. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's good. It's whatever. That's a top rating a job can receive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely better than the robots, for sure. Oh, you're not doing anything with robots? I thought you were just no. doing robots for a better cause or something. No, 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 no. I'm doing, like, websites for certain folks. I don't know. Robots attracts us. I, don't, I won't generalize about robots, but... I will say that <laughs> it was a little on the broier side of tech. Right. The people you work with now are a little more chill. Yeah, they're a little bit more chill. Like, I have a nice bubbly colleague who's very helpful, and she's the person that interviewed me. So that's Neato Burrito. Oh. Yeah, it's nice. It's funny. Like, I don't want to mention the pod to anyone at work because right. I've, like, scrubbed it from my professional persona. I face this dilemma often as well. 
in the Jewish professional spaces, would this be good for everyone to know about or would this fundamentally undermine me? Yeah. I mean, for you, I think it, it's mostly, I think it's mostly fine. It's mostly fine. It's not always. I'll tell you that. If I were trying to get a Jewish career that was closer to the institutional center, I would have a lot harder time, I think. But I'm mostly just like doing my own shit. And yeah. luckily, sometimes people pay me for it. So yeah, yeah, this yeah. works out. I, on the other hand, anything that I do that has the word penis in it might potentially <laughs> explode in my face. So Right. As we all wish for things with penis in them to do. But clearly, you know, I have a self-destructive tendency. I do know that about you. If it does blow up in my face, I'm probably going to be like, okay, well, I guess... I had a podcast. I said pee-pee in it and like, I'm doomed now. Yeah. Well, you better hope no one finds this episode because it's going to be pretty... I mean, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's certainly a salacious topic. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about... Well, let uh, me just read the question. Oh, yeah. Question for the podcast. Cannibalism. Are there any circumstances where this is considered kosher? I really enjoyed the argument of the pregnant person being allowed pork during Yom Kippur and I'm wondering how far that goes. Also, what about auto-cannibalism, like placenta consumption? So the question has basically two parts. Are there any circumstances where eating human flesh is kosher? And for two, what about eating your own flesh, like, for instance, consuming a placenta? Now, I love this question. I'm assuming they're not actually interested in eating the human flesh. Mm-hmm. I also love this question for a lot of reasons. Just a quick note before we dive in about the word cannibalism. The word cannibalism is derived from cannibales, the Spanish name for the Caribs, a West Indies tribe that may have practiced cannibalism. From the Spanish cannibal or caribal, meaning a savage. So that term has some obvious racist implications attached to it. I'm not chastising you listener it's something a lot of people don't know so instead of saying cannibalism on this show i'll be using the term anthropophagy which means eating people just to let people know about that term that's all i wanted to do honestly i don't think i'll be referring to the concept of eating flesh i'll be referring to specific instances so i don't think this will come up a lot there's another layer of racism here asking the question of whether jews are allowed to eat people is itself an anti-Semitic statement because oh, it because harkens... because of, like, blood libel. Of course, back to blood libel. I can't believe I prepared this entire episode without thinking about blood libel once. For all we know, this person is, like, an anti-Semite. No, this person is a dear friend of mine. <laughs> They're lovely. Look, anti-Semites can be lovely and dear friends. They just have an issue <laughs> that you're helping them I work promise. through. I, I promise they're not. I don't want to slander my friend on this show. Okay, when I call your friend an anti-Semite, I do it in the most neutral, non-judgmental way possible. If they're not, that's great too. Uh, dear friend, if you're listening as I know you are, I'm sorry for Michael. You know, I'm so grateful that you that you wrote another <laughs> question, listener. Oh my god. Okay, what, what do you have to share with us from the Talmud? Okay, so we will start our journey with a sugya from Ketubot 60a. The Talmud is talking a little bit about different circumstances where blood or milk from the human body, whether it's kosher or not kosher, what circumstances it might or might not be kosher under. Someone's made a statement on this topic that has been confusing, and so the Gemara comes in to say, La kasha, ha de parish, ha de la parish, wechelufa budam kedetanya dam she'al gabe kikar geroro wo'ochlo, shubain hashinim motzo wo'eno choshesh. This is not a difficulty. One of these statements that we were talking about before in this sugya 
is saying that milk is permitted if it has been removed from the person's body. And the other is saying that milk is forbidden when it has not been removed. So the deal with human milk is that it's fundamentally permitted, but by rabbinic ordinance, only a child can nurse directly from a woman. I guess to them, the removal by a child does not count as removal from a body. It's eating directly from the body. Uh, I wonder what they think about bottles, though. Bottles of... I know. That's a that's a whole other question. I'm sure it's been addressed, but we're mostly not going to talk about because the second part of what I said is the opposite applies to blood. Human blood that has been removed from the body is forbidden, but it has not yet been removed. It's permitted. So if blood falls on your food, then you got to scrape that blood off. You can't just eat the piece of food. But let's say you cut your tongue or you have bleeding gums when you floss, right? If you were concerned about whether or not blood is kosher, then you would have to be concerned about what if you swallow a little bit of that blood that's already in your mouth. Okay, okay. That seems actually very similar to the the milk scenario, unless I misunderstood. It's the opposite. The milk scenario for a human adult is that if the milk is out, it's permitted. And if the milk is in, it's forbidden. So... A human adult can have breast milk. Can have breast milk once it's been taken out. But cannot suckle directly from the source. Exactly. Okay, that's just good to know. But that is a totally ancillary point to what we're really going to talk about today. So we have our first sort of building block of our argument here, right? Which is that flesh that is still within us, human food product that never leaves the body, Mm -hmm. is permissible. Okay, okay. That makes sense. So... Now we're going to talk about something that the Rambam teaches us. Rambam gives us this halacha in Hilhot Machalot Asurot, chapter 2, halacha 3. With regard to humans, although Genesis states, and the man became a beast with a soul, he is not included in the category of toofed animals. Therefore, he is not included in the prohibition regarding kosher animals. Accordingly, one who partakes of meat or fat from a man, whether alive or deceased, is not liable for lashes. It is, however, forbidden to partake of human meat because of the positive commandment from the Torah, which lists seven species of wild beasts and says, These are the beasts of which you may partake. Implied is that any other may not be eaten. And a negative commandment that comes as a result of a positive commandment is considered a positive commandment. So basically the Rambam here, to sum it all up, his point of view is saying, humans are not animals, according to the Rambam's Torah definition of animals. So therefore, we're not included in the rules regarding animals that you can eat. Right, right. However, the Torah also says... In a verse in Genesis, these are the types of animals from which you can eat after listing some animals. And since person is not on that list, Rambam is making an inference that we aren't to eat things other than those animals, and therefore we shouldn't eat humans. Nope, nope, nope. He's having it both ways. He's having it both ways. If he's saying you can only eat animals, fine. Okay, so people aren't included in that. And then he's saying these are the list of animals you can eat. Well, I want to know the list of humans I can eat. According to his rule, humans are animals. I think he's making the case that humans should have been included in that list. I think he is making a little bit of a funny argument. But I think more than in the second case saying humans are animals, he's saying the Torah has a strict list of meat that we can eat. 
What is the word? We're drilling down, baby. What is the <laughs> word in the phrase? Um, Leviticus eleven twelve. Oh yeah, the creatures that you may eat. Tochlo mikol habehema. Yeah, it's like cattle in this case. Behema. Yeah. So unless Rambam is saying that humans are a type of cattle for his second argument, it seems like he's contradicting himself a little bit. Yes. I think what he's saying, I'm trying to explain because I still don't th- quite think you're right. What he's saying is not that you're forbidden to eat humans, but by eating humans, you're failing to eat these kosher animals. And the command is to eat of them. And so by not doing that, by doing something other than that, you are transgressing the positive commandment to eat the kosher animal. Uh, I don't it's a know. it's a very tricksy thing, and not not all halakhic authorities agree with it. So okay. there are these guys, the Re'a and the Ritva, who basically say that even though the Gemara told us we could do that thing with blood inside our bodies, it does not apply to flesh. So those two guys completely disagree with Maimonides. A couple other people agree with Maimonides and. That's fine. There's another rationale. This guy, the Nemuke Yosef, agrees that theoretically human flesh is permissible. However, because it's forbidden to eat flesh from a live animal, it's like a big deal in the Torah eating from a live animal. And also, it's forbidden to derive any benefit from a human corpse. It's impossible in practice to use this permission. So basically, oh, it's according to this Nemuke Yosef guy, it's permissible theoretically but because of other restrictions it's impossible to actually do in a kosher way so you're not allowed to benefit from a corpse yes i brought a source on this actually from avodazara 29b says umet kufe minalan so where do we figure out that we can't derive benefit from a corpse atya shame agla arufa kativ hacha atmat meryam uktiv hatam uarfu sham et agala banachal so it's derived from a verbal analogy between the words there and there. So this word for there is used in two places in the Torah. In one place, in Numbers 21, it's written, and Miriam died there. And in another place, it's written, and they shall break a heifer's neck there in the valley, in Deuteronomy 21.4. Just as deriving benefit from that heifer is prohibited, so too here deriving benefit from a corpse is prohibited. So this also is a tricksy argument. It feels like the Talmud started out with the idea that they didn't want us to be able to benefit from corpses, and so they worked backwards. The cow that they're talking about is this cow from Deuteronomy 21. I'll just read the verse in translation. If in the land that the Lord your God is assigning you to possess, someone slain is found lying in the open, the identity of the slayer not being known, your elders and magistrates shall go out and measure the distance from the corpse to the nearby towns. The elders of the town nearest to the corpse shall then take a heifer which has never been worked, which has never pulled in a yoke, and the elders of that town shall bring the heifer down to an ever-flowing wadi, which is like a, a valley, a gulch, which is not tilled or sown. There in the wadi, they shall break the heifer's neck. So the deal is, this heifer, which is a sacrifice to sort of expiate the town of an unknown murder, this heifer can't have worked a day in its life, and it has to be killed on territory that's never been worked a day in its life. So no one can benefit from this heifer. So because the Torah uses the word there to refer to where this heifer is killed, 
and uses the word there to refer to the place that Miriam from the Torah died. Therefore, we can assume oh, okay, I we see. can't derive benefit in either situation. Is this particular version of the word there in biblical Hebrew all that rare to use? It is truly not that rare of a word. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Not a very satisfying proof, but definitely at least some Talmudic scholars did not want you to benefit from a corpse. Right. My understanding and, and my legal theory of this is that they didn't want us to be able to benefit from a corpse, and so they figured out some way to make that happen that would nominally be based in Torah. Well, this is a reason why inheritance should be illegal. Oh, I never thought of it as being relevant to inheritance. Yeah, you're benefiting from that corpse over there. It's a stretch. You're not benefiting from the corpse itself, but from a bunch of theoretical framework around the corpse. How could you get around this? Okay, let's say you buy what the rabbis are saying. If someone forced you to eat a corpse, you're not benefiting from it. They're benefiting from it, you know, through some sort of masochistic way. So that way, you're off the hook. We're slowly approaching the conclusion of this question. So we've covered a couple possibilities. One of them, if we go with a Rambam, is that eating human flesh could be a sort of, maybe we'll call it a sin of omission, that in eating human flesh, we would be failing to eat kosher meat. We have that one. And then we also have the Nimuke Yosef, who is telling us that it would be an issue of benefit from a corpse. So that would be transgressing a negative commandment. And then finally, we have the other guys, the non-Rambam guys, who said, no, this was never permitted from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Right? So where we have to go, of course, is to something we've studied before, right from our kosher pork episode, which our caller referenced on Yoma 82a. She'ein l'cha devar she'omeid bifnei pikuach nefesh chutz me'avodazara. So there's nothing that stands in the way of protecting life other than avodazara, forbidden sexual relationships, or the spilling of blood. These are the only three categories of things that can possibly override saving a life. So avodazara, so like idol worship, forbidden relationships, that includes things like coercion, stuff like that, and spilling of blood, so like murder. We have to ask ourselves if any of these three scenarios that we've described fall under those three categories. Obviously, pretty clearly none of them are Vodazara. Right. And pretty clearly none of them are Geloi Argyot. None of them are forbidden sexual relationships. Possibly, you could raise the question whether any of them are Shvichat Damim, spilling of blood. But I'm assuming that our listener is asking about eating some human flesh from someone that's already dead because the murderer would be its whole own issue. So my derivation from this same thing that we talked about in kosher pork is that if it's a matter of life and death, then you're definitely allowed to eat the human flesh because it doesn't fall under any of these categories. It falls under those other three categories that we talked about. The listener did ask about one side issue, which was so-called auto-cannibalism, like eating placenta. So I did want to bring a little answer for that. So placenta can actually be considered shlia, which is like an emission from the body rather than flesh. The reason that we are not allowed to eat blood that's been removed is because of something called marat ayin, literally bitterness of the eye, meaning if someone saw us eating blood, they might think eating blood is fine 
and we wouldn't want to create that impression. So the only possible concern in eating placenta because it's an emission like blood would be marat ayin, whether it's going to create an inappropriate impression amongst people. Probably in the context in which you're giving birth and eating placenta, that's not going to be a concern. And also marat ayin can be overruled by many contexts. So a lot of people like use placenta eating as a technique to help them heal from hemorrhage during childbirth. That I believe would definitely overrule concerns of Marat Ayin. So placenta, I think, is kosher. I maybe if it was like you went to a restaurant and had fresh human placenta served on a plate, that might be of concern. That might like not be of the same status. But if it's like your placenta, you know, in the privacy of your own home, then uh, I I think you're good to go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no comment. No comment on your placenta eating habits. I support you, listener. <laughs> I don't think our listener is eating placenta. They just want to know about it theoretically. No, our listener is an anti-Semitic placenta eater. <laughs> Great. Really um, building strong relationships with our fan base here. <laughs> There's this interesting now category of things that aren't good but aren't illegal. Yes. There are many things in this category. It's like, oh, eating blood is bad. And you don't want people to see you eat blood because it's bad. So therefore, it is now illegal. The main issue is that eating animal blood is bad and definitely forbidden. Making kosher meat, we specifically remove all the blood. So if someone saw you eating bread with a drop of blood on it, they might think it's animal blood. And then they might become confused about kashrut and come to think that it was okay for them to eat animal blood. Uh, okay, I think the rabbis are projecting a little bit what they wish was on <laughs> their bread. I, that's their own business, what's in their mind, and what they wish the red thing on the bread was. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I see, I see. But what was that category? Oh, marat ayin, like marat sad. <laughs> are there other things that fall into that category? For sure, for sure. Oh, yeah. There's tons of things that are done or not done out of concern for Marat Ayin. It's a thing that comes up a lot in the context of idol worship. Like, you wouldn't want to do things that look like idol worship, even if they're not idol worship. There's a lot of different contexts where, where it comes into play. So that is a legal category. Yes. Yeah. Of actions where there's a concern of Marat Ayin. That's very interesting. Not in the scope of this episode, but interesting to figure out how they determine what's in that category and what's not in that category. Yeah. You should bring some patron episodes on that because it's a very interesting topic. Cool. I guess the conclusion is you can eat people under life-threatening conditions for sure. And you could make the legal case that you could maybe even eat people. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, some legal trickery in all cases, but... Definitely in life-threatening conditions you can, and also placenta eating in the right context is fine. I want to say, while I was doing this research, I was shocked to discover a rabbi out in the world saying you couldn't eat human flesh to survive, like in a plane crash, you know, situation. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked to find a rabbi being like, of course, like we would never do that. And then I went and did my research and I was like, yes, we really would. And I don't know, I found it kind of maybe shocking is the wrong word, but I was sort of disappointed. I felt like they were sort of being hoity-toity, you know, like mm -hmm. yeah. they were making halakhic statements more based on their comfort level than on the halakha. 
No, I, I agree. That's surprising to me, too. I would have automatically assumed that totally eating a human body is okay to save your life. It just falls yeah. in line with so many of the other rulings we've heard about life-saving activities. Right, right. The worst thing it could be is not kosher. And we already know you can eat non-kosher food to survive. So. Sure, sure. But we had to come and make sure. And then we had this great listener question to say, is there anything special about human flesh that makes it worse than other non-kosher meat? Yep, yep. And the answer, and the answer is, is no, basically. No, no. Uh, um, so thank you all. All right. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, listener, for this question. It has been a delight to answer and a delight to research. It led me to some really fun corners of the Jewish internet. Can't believe I didn't think of blood libel at all this whole time. We'll have to do a whole other episode on that. How could you not think about blood libel? I know. I know. I'm constantly thinking about it. <laughs> Yes, thank you for this wonderful question. Thank you, everyone else who has sent us questions. We're working on them. Continue to send us more questions. I've been delighted to discover that we've been able to make so many question-centric episodes. We just haven't run out. And that is such a pleasure to me. And I think it makes for really good radio. So keep sending us your stuff. Yes, we love it. And um, listener, um, you're not anti-Semitic. No, you're great. You're great. Okay. We'll talk to you all later. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.